Welcome to the fourth pillar of play, a night shift radio production where we support your adventure in tabletop game design by discussing, learning, and creating right alongside you. And once again, here we are. Crazy scheduling continues. Crazy scheduling continues, but we're making it work. We are. Late nights, limited availability. That's okay, though. It's okay. It's okay because yeah. it's almost done. It's almost yeah, it done. Is. It's almost there. So, um, and it's so funny, you know, so frustrating mm. is that during the day, well, see, the solution would just be that you just need to not work. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Why don't we just because when that? I'm sitting at home all day, I'm like, I'm fine. I've got plenty of time. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know what the solution could, the solution is, is that you come to the school. We bring that, all yeah, of I our equipment and we just record. We should have thought I of that feel weeks like, ago. I feel like that we, I, we, we would never condone using work time. No, but I mean, if you for, were there, we would have the space. And then as soon as I was done, <laughs> just get it done. There Click. you go. Um, so yeah, we are back today talking more about our Demon City. Now, this Demon City is... I was thinking about it and reflecting on it as I've listening to the episodes. The, the, everything we've talked about, we're... The t- the the tack we are taking talking about our demon city is slightly different than what we've approached with everything else because it's something that's not already been done concretely in some other media that we can then reskin for ourselves in our own way. So like yeah, I guess we're pulling true. a little bit of building a city and a little bit of building monsters, mm-hmm. but it's something so unique to the world we're building that we don't have really a a pre-existing raft to ride through. Yeah. So as true. people listen to these episodes, they're like, okay, so they spent two episodes talking about the philosophy of this. F- <laughs> See? Oh. Oh. Are we, are we allowed one um, Star Lord? I mean, no. I no. No. I'll beep that. I'll beep that. Um. You know, we've had two episodes just talking like philosophically about all this stuff, and then, but also I've realized that as we develop more of Estorok, we're going to have to retro. It's going to be a lot of oh, well, poo. That retroactively clashes with something else we've done, right? And that's going to be the real kicker. Is once we have subclasses, classes, races, magic Mm -hmm. items, um, maps, cities, all this other stuff, putting it all together so it all none of it contradicts itself. Yeah. is going to be a big project. I was thinking about timelines today mm-hmm. during okay. one of my drives. Yeah. And I was thinking that, you know, what would be probably smart for us? Because we've talked about like what we'd want to do season-wise with the show. Yeah, And I feel yeah. like Estorok is our first big project. Yeah, And I feel like we should aim at really like giving ourselves a good long time to work on Estorok. But yeah. I was thinking that we should do our show so that our show runs from August to um, May. We should go yeah. from August to May, and mm-hmm. then June and July is our is off, and then we start a new season in August again. Yeah, I was. Um, now we're not doing that, that obviously today. this time. Yeah. This is episode thirty five. Right. We're going to continue on until probably next May. Some breaks here and there, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and then that. So all this to think say, I was in my head going, we should have a finished Estorok campaign setting guide mm-hmm. by next May, so oh, we could yeah. say like. I would this say is now so. done. But like we're going to be able to have episodes on talking about the copy text and talking about art and things like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I really want to put together. I really want to have a really nice PDF done by the end yeah. of May mm-hmm. so that we can say, like, look, this thing we created, it's done. Yeah. Then and we can I take two months off. Doable. Yeah. yeah, easily. And then we can take June and July off. That meshes well if there's theater stuff happening in the summer. 
Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. And then, well, or just, just the like summer becomes the you summer know, so, in general, people doing stuff and yeah, traveling for any of our and listeners that are not from upstate New York. Um, we, we have don't a very get a lot small, of vacation time. <laughs> yeah. We have a very small window of time where doing outdoor stuff is really very viable. And, and so, yeah. Even if you don't plan it in the summer, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to say it's an upstate thing, but you know, it's just one of those things. Even if you don't plan in the summer, it's the summer, you know. I mean, it's, it's summer. Like, like people want to, you, you want to take your family on vacations. You want to go places, and so right. Superpod HeroCast, you know, they, uh, Todd they take, maybe wants to do a pool party. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just talking about Todd specifically. And, yeah, I know. So I think that that would be a, a good Ooh. format moving forward. How long is so? What Superpod HeroCast does seasons? How do they do their break? I'm sure. I'm sure Casey will text me as soon as he listens to this tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, they 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 definitely they. I know that they pick how many episodes they're going to do in a season. I they don't pick the movies in advance, right? No, they draw them randomly each time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but oh. I know their breaks are determined are determined length. They usually take the summer off, I think, except for uh, they do that nerd debate thing. The nerd debate, yeah. Um, I think so. I, I was just know. thinking like I don't know June, exactly. and because the other reason I thought about June because you could also do July, August, but June is bonkers at school. June is bonkers at school, and there's usually yeah, a lot true. of like stuff going on at school. Yeah, um, that is true. So anyway, that was just a state of the pod thought that I had. Yeah, as I was driving around. Well, and we could that, also. I mean, we. I mean, we also could be open possibly to more than one episode a week if. You know, especially in the winter time. Oh yeah, yeah. Different oh, things. For sure. Like when we're not doing else, like we can yeah. build up other stuff. We yeah. still haven't okay. done any of our interview episodes that we wanted to do with like game store owners and things like that. Yeah, that's true, and that would help fill so, out. Yeah. Um. So yes, I was just thinking about like this is this developing our city here has been kind of kind of weird. Um, and I'm okay with that. And so today I figured we'd kind of continue into the weirdness today because I want to talk yeah. a little bit about a divorce, mm-hmm. not a divorce. A divorce. And we may need to rename that because every time I say it fast, it sounds like I'm saying divorce. Well, you know, I just watched a thing today about the history of Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, that sounds fascinating. When they first, not Dunkin' Donuts, no. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I watched two today. So it was about Subway. When Subway first launched, they called it um, Pete's Submarines. That's a terrible Uh, name. Well, yeah, because what people ended up doing was they called it Oh, people thought the name of the place was Pizza Marines, and people oh. would come in looking for a pizza. And because the way that it got announced, pizza like Marines. on the radio, Pete Submarines, Pizza Marines, Pizza Marines. So people would come in ordering a pizza. That's why they changed the name eventually to Subway. So <laughs> they're, they're a, a big multi-billion-dollar company decided to change their name in order to become a multi-billion-dollar company because of hey, that Kentucky type of Fried confusion. Chicken did it right. Yeah. It's no longer fried, is it? Wait, it is. But. Well, no, it is. It, it was Kentucky Fried Chicken, then it was KFC. Now it's back to Kentucky Fried Chicken. Right, because it um, was kind of silly. It was all based on a law that was like taxing companies that used the name of the state in their name, yeah. if I remember yeah. correctly. Seems like. It's not because they were mutant chickens. So, yeah, they so were, there's a possibility of changing divorces because people will confuse it with divorces. And it's literally exactly. indicative of almost the opposite, right? Exactly. Because it's two so beings here's coming what I've together. Written. Exactly. Yeah. So. I have a short little... So, a divorce. So, our demon city is run by demons and devils. It's Mm -hmm. populated with demons and devils forced to work together. That's already a recipe for conflict. So, so that's why we developed Oregal. Oregal is this creature that keeps them in check and keeps them from fighting each other so they can focus their efforts on fighting aberrations. Yeah. And he's almost Um, the prime divorce, mm -hmm. in a way. And so... And he is. He is Devoris Prime. Yeah. Um, the 
So he has kind of a, and he's the strongest one, mm-hmm. you know. So the divorces, the divorzi. It would be divorzi, um, right? The divorzi. Yeah. Uh, we could just call him the divorzi. I don't know. The that sounds kind of cool. Yeah. The divorces are. I was thinking about it like I wasn't sure if they should be naturally forming or if they should be something that is forced on a demon and a devil. Like, all right, mm-hmm. you're a demon that's misbehaved too many times. You've pissed off Oregal. And so he finds a devil that's also ticked him off lately. And he, he introduces you to the Iliaster bath and you get forced into a new form or something like that. Or if it, or it could also be accidental um, through exposure, yeah. which is what happened to Oregal. So hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Um, I do kind of. I kind of like the idea of a punishment. Yeah. yeah. Like so. Here's. I was thinking about the hierarchy, right? Mm-hmm. So the first thing I did was. So I wrote down. I was just scouting some notes. I'm like, oh, so a, a devil and a demon melded by Iliaster, chaos yeah. and law forced into an uneasy harmony, and that that's uneasy is that's an understatement. Yeah. Um, devils see divorces as lesser beings. Demons see them as cowardly and weak lesser beings both devils and demons look down at a divorce divorce mm-hmm. but really they're also both scared of them because i was thinking about it and a divorce their whole thing like i was just thinking this is again just one tack i was kind of creating a, a thought process through my head as i was driving please mm-hmm. by all means throw out a different one um and well we i can tell you what one. i've always seen them as is essentially the blade-like daywalker of the civilization yeah yeah, Just yeah yeah the better version whether they like it or not and they can look down on all they want but it doesn't change the fact that i have all your strengths and none of your weaknesses type of deal but my thought was also they could probably be pretty insane sure okay you know what i mean like like so, have a have a, a tendency towards not yeah a tendency towards uh, insanity well basically so here's what I, what i was doing mm-hmm. so there's i've been reading a lot about alignment and i know alignment is something that a lot of more modern progressive game companies as writers they're moving away from alignment stuff but i was just kind of like searching for something to be a little bit more like a little bit something some creativity inspiration and i was reading about so devils are lawful good demons are are chaotic or sorry lawful evil and Mm. demons are chaotic evil so Mm. i decided just to read about neutral evil so i found a whole bunch of you know there's a bajillion different websites that talk about neutral you know all the different alignments um throwbacks going all the way back but alignment has existed for long enough it's a legacy part of the game it's existed for so long that there's been plenty written about it but i want to read to you from a website that i found that just talks about neutral evil this is called um i don't even know what this website is called it doesn't even have a name let's see here hold on hold on i'm gonna do it like this easy damas it's just i don't know it's weird it's a weird like thing but i so i don't think they actually probably wrote this i think this is probably copied from somewhere else is it a geo cities page nope it's actually cited (laughs) holy smokes it's cited at the bottom it's cited by gary gagax david zeb cook um someone us and several other from someone from palladium books someone from dragon magazine um and another gary gagax thing so neutral evil A neutral evil villain does whatever she can get away with. She is out for herself, pure and simple. She sheds no tears for those she kills, whether for profit, sport, or convenience. She has no love or order and holds no illusion that the following laws, traditions, or codes would make her any better or any more noble. On the other hand, she doesn't have the restless nature or love of conflict that a chaotic evil villain has. Some neutral evil villains hold up evil as an ideal, committing evil for its own sake. 
Most often, such villains are devoted to evil deities or secret societies. Neutral evil beings consider their alignment to be the best because they can advance themselves without regard for others. Neutral evil is the most dangerous alignment because it represents pure evil without honor and without variation. And I was thinking about like the idea that neutral evil is the most dangerous because lawful evil follows rules. Yep. Chaotic evil also sort of follows rules. Well, I mean, it, you know? it has, I mean, chaotic evil, if we're looking at it, I guess in this way, chaotic evil has a certain level of predictability, which is kind of like They're predictable rules. because they're so, and I love that they talk about them being restless. You basically yeah. expect a chaotic evil entity to just rage through something. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. that's yeah. what they do. They rage through, they, they're completely mindless ragers. And you expect, you know that a lawful one's going to follow rules and do trickery and beguilement. Yeah. Neutral evil can do whatever they want. A neutral evil bad guy does whatever they want. They can rage through, but it's not predictable. They so might then, smile at you. They might cut you. They um, they have, they don't love conflict. They just don't care. They're sociopaths. Right. I was going to say you're describing like the Joker to me. Yeah. The So like, I know like people say like the Joker is the epitome of chaos, but you know. he. Well, that's tough because he's a comic, but. Exactly. Um, it doesn't I guess really it depends on what your favorite version of the Joker mm-hmm. does. Um, and I just thought well, this was really interesting. That a neutral is. evil character views law and chaos as unnecessary considerations, as pure evil is all in all. Like, so I don't worry about eliminates... following rules. I don't worry about breaking rules. I don't think about rules. I do whatever I want. They're creatures of pure id or pure yeah. ego, whichever one that is. Well, then what's a neutral good? Is that on that sheet? Sure is. Hold on. Let me pull it up. Neutral good. A neutral good character does the best that a good person can do. He is devoted to helping others. He works with kings and magistrates, but does not feel beholden to them. Neutral good is the best alignment you can be because it means doing good without bias against or for order. Neutral good can be a dangerous alignment when it advances mediocrity by limiting the actions of the truly capable. So it's basically neutral good does good. And that's the first, the guiding star is doing good, whether by following a law or breaking it, you do good. Right. Neutral evil is the opposite. You do evil either by tricking or by being chaotic or being lawful you, you know it's funny one. with all these variations it seems like your average player just plays the two things we just described oh 100 percent. you know what i mean no matter what 99 percent of people regardless of what they say their alignment is play a neutral good character unless right. you're playing an evil campaign <laughs> exactly that's like, interesting like i this is why like when i play a character i almost always just put my characters as neutral good because i don't even that is the most stereotypical heroic alignment but again i don't do anything with alignment so yeah, I don't even think I write it down on my sheets. The last time I did an alignment where alignment actually mattered was for a neutral, uh, a lawful neutral paladin because I was playing basically Judge Dread. Right. Hmm. So. Yeah, well, I, I will say, though, that the as you're reading it, the lawful neutrals or the neutral evil seems to um, uh, kind of eliminate the idea that, like, how do they function within the society then? Well, uh, well, I could what tell you because this page here yeah. goes on and on and on about really? neutral evil so yes there's more stuff here so real quick um, before you do that though because i just said it what's a lawful neutral lawful neutral isn't that a isn't lawful that... neutral character is a character that does not think about good or evil they're just beholden to the law a lawful neutral character acts as law tradition or a personal code directs her order and organizations are paramount to her she may believe in personal order and live by a coder standard or she may believe in order for all and favor a strong organized government lawful neutral is the best alignment you can be because it means you are reliable and honorable without being a zealot Lawful neutral can be a dangerous alignment when it seeks to eliminate all freedom, choice, and diversity in society. So they see themselves as above good, the petty squabbles of good and evil. That is, you just follow the law because without order, everything dissolves. Okay. Um, hmm. So the 
they see the law as the most important. A lawful good character sees good, says the law is there to serve the purpose of advancing good. So if there is an unjust law, do they get to decide that a lot? Well, we That's could probably struggle go down for a this law. rabbit hole. Yeah, for neutral forever. good characters yeah. are like, well, then you break the law. So a lawful good characters is that a lawful good character tries to say, listen, the system isn't perfect, but we have to change it from within use and by following the rules. Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay. That's why yeah. I think lawful good is boring. Yeah. I do um, like it when people are like, I'm lawful good. I'm not lawful nice. Right. Right. So how does a, a, a neutral evil character function in a, in a society? Let's see here. Um, well, so, well, here. Do you want to hear the, 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 the section here called the neutral evil code? Of course, I will post this in the show notes. Yeah. I just found, and again, I'm not trying to copy this or anything like that. I just honestly found it fascinating that so much had been written about it. And it was all in one place. And so I'm. this is... This right. was my research. Well, I know whenever the Joker joins up with like the Injustice Gang they hate or him. something, he will play nice until he's done playing nice. Like yeah. there's, there's no, you know, he can go along with the, let's go with the flow, let's see. And then a lot of the times it's either eh, boring or, ooh, I can kill Batman right now. I'm going to do that. We're like, no, we can't, you can't do that, you know. Unless it's a Nazi, he won't work with Red Skull. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, so here's the neutral evil code yeah. on the same page. The personal code of a neutral evil character may look like this. You shall lie to advance yourself. You shall harm the innocent to advance yourself. You shall kill to advance yourself. You shall not aid the weak. You shall honor those who are stronger. Uh, You shall follow the law only to advance yourself. You shall betray friends, family, community, and nations to advance yourself. You shall not aid those who protect the weak. You shall not show mercy to enemies. You shall not. You shall seek unlimited power over others. And do you know what that reminded me of? Who? What? Oregal. Right. As you're describing it, I'm going, well, I guess that would be... Um, I think we I think we really kind of n- hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Right there. Cause yeah, because that's Oregal. Yeah, as you were describing it, I'm just like, well, they, they would they would yield to him. He yields to power too. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. He, he fought and scrapped and scraped and devoured until he was the biggest, most baddest. Yeah, biggest divorce. And in then the park, he, yeah. Exactly. Hmm. Um, let's see here. The neutral evil adventurer. Eh. Yeah. Neutral evil society. A neutral evil society values his family will not heed the requests necessarily. It will betray family members. So that's probably the other thing is that the divorces, the fiends follow Oregal because of law and order. The demons follow Oregal because of might makes right. Yep. The divorces are the ones he has to worry about. Right. So it almost, I wonder if you make him kind of integral to their creation, you would have to force them to be beholden to him on some level. Right, exactly. Like he has to hold power over them. Like their existence is completely bound up in his will for them to exist. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there is, they uh, would just uh, run amok. Urukai, because wasn't, wasn't that the difference? Saruman's orcs that he made were loyal to him, not Saruman. Right, exactly. Yeah, you would need to come up with Urukai. some kind of thing, yeah. Um. So I don't know. This is a very fascinating page. The so here's here's like how the neutral evil views other alignments. So a neutral evil views chaotic evil as determined but lax, um, <laughs> and views lawful evil as determined but strict. <laughs> okay, they're like you're too rigid, you're too relaxed. I don't know. Well, that is kind of funny to think. It's just basically self advancement at all costs. Okay. So everything's about empowering themselves. So they steal for themselves. They take for themselves. They devour for themselves. And then I was thinking, Oregal devoured other creatures to become as powerful. Maybe when we develop... So, you know, there are traits that go with demons and devils, yep. right? Yep. Um, I have them right here. Well, actually, you know what I pulled up? This is... I have the old SRD from 
D and D three point five. So I don't know if this is still accurate, but um, I was looking at like you know demons and devils in old three point five, and in three point five they had basic traits. They devils were immune to fire and poison. Demons were immune to uh, electricity and poison. Um, they had resistance to acid, cold, and fire. And devils only had resistance to acid and cold. Um, they had dark vision, but demons didn't. Devils had dark vision, demons didn't. They both could summon, and they both had telepathy. Um, so, like, if I look in my monstrous menagerie here, boom, boom. All right. I believe they're under fiends. Nope, they're not under fiends. So they must be under demons or devils. Let's check. Demons and devils. Here we go. 64. Don't mind the sign of this listener. I'm just flipping to a page. So demons, never-ending chaos, existential threat. Um, Let's see. In 5th edition, demons, they shrug off much of the damage caused by cold fire, lightning, and mundane weapons. And so they all seem to have, they all have damage. They, all of them have immunity to poison. That's like a universal. Mm-hmm. Their other immunities. I think it's are, crazy they don't universally aren't able to see in the dark. Yeah, they're only uh, one of them. Most of these ha- appear to have dark vision. That was and a that's 3.5 in the current. Thing. I was talking about the three point five. I thought that was funny. Yeah, no, I thought that I was just, interesting too. What was it? I just imagine you're fighting a demon or a devil. You can turn you the, lights turn off off the lights off, and they're like, "Oh crap!" So, like, if you look at a Balor in fifth edition, they are resistant to cold, lightning, and damage from non-magical weapons. Um, they're immune to fire and that's poison. That's our fallback, the Balor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we went to the Balor before. I think it's well. The Balor is a high one, and it has find. true sight and dark vision. Well, it has true sight okay. and pass. Yeah, just true sight. You don't need anything else with true sight. Um, say let's look at it here. Up. Here's a a that was a CR nineteen demon. Here's a mm-hmm. CR quarter demon, a dretch. Okay, okay? they are right. resistant to cold, fire, and lightning. So okay. it's you know so for those that aren't aware, some sort of variation of cold, damage. fire, and lightning. And they're always immune to poison and immune to the poisoned condition. Dark vision, passive perception. A Glabrazow is resistant to cold, fire, lightning. Huh? You're just not getting away from him, I guess. What am I not getting away from? Um, If that's for a half CR. If it's for CR half. Yeah. All those, Um, you know, everything you just listed. Exactly. If a CR one quarter has those immunities, then they all have those immunities. Um, A Glabrazow has resistance to cold, fire, lightning, and damage from non-magical weapons. So the really, the Dretch is not immune to the, that doesn't have the the magical weapons thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Cold, fire, lightning, damage from non-magical weapons, poison, poison condition. So that like demon, demons kind of all kind of have that, that same thing. You look at devils. Here we go. Here's a, here's a nice little challenge three bearded devil. It is cold damage from non-magical weapons or non-silvered weapons um so silver comes into play with devils um i never understood how you read that cold and damage from non-magical non-silvered weapons does that mean if you silver your weapon you can do the damage or if it has to be magical and silvered what's the what is it says they're resistant to cold and damage from non-magical non comma non-silvered weapons yeah i mean that would mean that they take half damage right resistant yeah. would be half damage so they take half damage from a normal sword yeah, i don't know but if you silver your weapons then you're good so they don't have the electricity thing like the demons do they have the silvered thing so they still have the cold the silvered thing and then fire and poison are ones that they throw in so they kind of shuffle them around a little bit yeah. but then they stick around and then again poisoned being the one that's always on mm-hmm. so all right <laughs> taking that into account um that would mean that divorces would have 
at the very least, poison immunity. So they're going to be immune to poison. Um, yeah. And then as you create them, you create, if we create like several layers of divorces or divorci, divorci, um, then those, those resistances and immunities would shift as the type of creature. And well, here's the, like, how complicated do you want to get it? Do we say like, well, it's this kind of a demon plus this kind of a devil? Or is that like, well, you know, as you're, headache? as you're going through it and you're, you're doing this, my thinking is, well, this is a lot like making, you know, I, I think generally about how we discuss making our regular player characters. Yeah. Where you you're not traits. any, you're not this, you're not that you can pull from this and you can pull from that. You're, there's no pure elves. There's no, so mm-hmm. They would just have a distinctly different list if you wanted to make a, so one of them as a character. Could we make a base stat block for a divorce and then say variation? And you, you know, you pick you pick your variation. You pick one, two different powers, mm-hmm. and those two powers, you pick a devil power and a demon power, and that's your divorce. Yeah, yeah, that would it be would kind of cool. That'd be an interesting way of doing it because then your DM, as a DM, bringing it back to the table, yeah. As a DM, you can you can create a story. Say your yeah. character is defeat a devil, yep. and that devil it doesn't get destroyed and sent back to the to the nine hells or whatever because it can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it just harbors this rage, and so it and it failed. So it gets merged with a demon and becomes a mad neutral evil divorce. And now you can basically say like, well, they defeated that devil a couple of levels ago. Why don't I bring him back as a recurring character? Only now he's been melded with a demon. So well, yeah, he was fun. a bearded devil. So I'll blend him with a Glabrazau and I'll pick from the Glabrazau powers and yeah. then boom, now I've got a divorce. Yeah. That'd be cool. It's almost like Actually. the Shadow of Mordor thing where you defeat the orc and then it comes back tougher. R- yes, exactly. And you yeah, like specifically, funny. you know, rank different orcs yeah. up through the armies. Oh yeah, that's So maybe right. that would be a way to do well. it. Yeah. Just like have a list of demon abilities and a list of devil abilities. And they don't have to be specifically the ones from the SRD or anything like that, but that we could come up with a list of general abilities. Um, yeah. and then kind of like push specializations that they can pull from. Basically, it's a it's a one hundred percent customizable monster that the DM can tailor to that story. Here's your base stat block. You don't have to fiddle around with that. But here's yeah. your here's the their personalization, and now here's how you can describe it. Yeah, here's how you pull these traits off. Yeah, that'd be cool. And then you That's can just cool. pull the the base stat block CRs you want. You can have mm-hmm. a CR one. I don't like. I think the lowest CR we should probably go with. Because I, f- I feel like inherently a divorce becomes more powerful than the equivalent demon or devil. Mm-hmm. Take two CR quarter yeah. demon, you know, de- a demon and devil, and you shove them together. I think, I don't know, I feel like CR1 should be about as low as they go. Yeah, I would say so. Because so these usually, are not s- supposed to be trifling creatures. Exactly. There's not supposed to be trifling creatures. I imagine, you know, CR1, CR, you know... I usually default to 1, 5... I can tell you exactly what I do. I do 1, 5, 11, 13, 15... <laughs> Mm-hmm, those are mm-hmm. my those are the levels I tend to gravitate towards yeah. and I'm trying to challenge myself when I make monsters now to ch- pick CRs that are not in those realms but uh, those are like tentpole monsters yeah in um, Forge of Foes that they just released I talked about it in the last episode they have base stat blocks they basically have like here are the only eight stat blocks you ever need it's like I don't know if that's the exact number but it's basically a, a set small number of stat blocks that you can use for any monster in any game anytime for the rest of eternity yeah we and have all these like, available these the, but you're not going to do yeah these are not, the you, have, you have so many different crs available but honestly most of the time you're going to use one of these crs it's like you're, you're right. going to use a cr quarter you're going to use or cr half cr one cr three five eight eleven yeah. 
15. Yeah, let's and not like, complicate things because you're never going to play as much as you want to anyway. Exactly. The, you know, and, so here's just here, jump to this part, save yourself some time. Well, Get I mean, that's tape. the whole Sly Flourish thing too. That's like, yeah. you know, what we're, we're doing is very, again, opposite of what he does. He's always going for fast and easy to make life easy. We're going to, to attention for detail. Well, it's funny that he is, he is kind of leaning a little bit more. He said, he said more than once, he's getting a little bit more, uh, he's enjoying lore a little bit more mm-hmm. because he's, I think he's gotten the mechanic, the speed mechanics down so quick. I think he's gotten so, that down and being able to make it pretty is kind of something he has time for the way he plays. Right. Yeah. Well, did you see that he wrote the, um, he's one of the authors of Tales of the Valiant. Yeah. They gave him combat and counterbalance. That's right. Combat and counterbalance. And he talked about the struggle Again, of writing it because he and he, he said can't that he had write to take a whole lazy different psychology DM to it. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's actually yeah. got to write it he out fully, do... like the full long form. And he doesn't usually do the long form. Yeah. He, he does the shortcut form. Yeah. That is funny. So that gives us a lot of stuff. So let's see here. I'm going to look here at my little stat block page. What stats, what stat, what CRs would be good for our divorces? If we started with a one, Let's say we wanted to make five divorce stat blocks. Mm-hmm. What would you say if we start at one? Okay, what do you mean five divorce? Like, let's like, pick five different CR levels to use as our base divorce stat blocks. Well, I'd say it's getting a little late for me right now. So, and <laughs> <laughs> a long time. Um, like, I feel like you use CR ones a lot. You could use CR. Let's do. We could do CR one, CR four. See, and this is me trying to push CRs I don't normally do. We could do one, four, seven. I still like having an 11 and 14. Right. Why don't we start with that? One, four, seven, 11, 14. That gives you a nice spread. Yep. And then we can come up with the base stats for those, the base, you know, resistances and immunities. Mm-hmm. And we've already got lore sort of nailed down. We just have to like type it out and then yes. we do the thing. And then we got to like generate. So our next episode, we should both generate a list of demon abilities and devil abilities. We should both like, do you want to take like demons and I'll take devils or okay. vice versa and read through some of sure. their special abilities yeah. and go, all right, I'm going to come up with some generic versions of these things. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want demons or devils? Um, Hmm. Ooh, feeling chaos or you feeling law? Uh, either one, honestly, flip a coin. <laughs> hang on. I don't have a coin. Here, hang on. I have the uh, SD card that failed me before. Okay. Heads will I be call the... heads, which okay. is the label. Yep. Uh, it's tails. Tails, so you get to pick. Damn it. That's not what I wanted. <laughs> okay. Um, you should have done demons. heads, I'm devils, demons. tails, I'm demons. Do that. You're doing demons? Okay. Yeah, I'll just do demons. I'm good. Okay, you do demons. I'll do devils. Okay. And uh, I'll have a, a list of abilities, and we'll go through them. And mm-hmm. I will, I will, and we'll have the basic stat blocks because I've just used this page that we always use. And um, we'll be able to slap those together and have our divorces. Once we do that, uh, we have an idea of our city. So I was, you know, speaking of the city, one of the things I was imagining our demon city, you know, is this hollowed out mountain. Mm-hmm. I was imagining that the divorces, divorzi, are forced to live outside of it, like on the hills. <laughs> because no, but none of the other demons trust them. Um, and so those are the, also the ones yeah. that anyone coming to the city are most likely to interact first with as a divorzai or do, a divorce. Do the divorzai cut deals like a demon or a devil? No, or, because they don't care about helping anyone else. But they're people might fall trans- for it, though. Yeah, unless they're the trans- somehow. They'll yeah. lie. They'll yeah. lie. Interesting. So they're probably not above pretending to be a devil or pretending to be a demon to like get what they want out of people and then just completely screwing them over. Yeah. 
Hmm. They, they, they could be they could be troublesome. Yeah, um, they they are the troublesome ones. But then once we do that, we should also stat block Oragal, and he'll be like our biggest. He'll be our yeah, first be legendary. A That's a big deal because yeah. I imagine Oragal is being like CR twenty five, twenty four. Sick. Yeah, he's <laughs> Oragal is going to be yeah beastly. Yeah. That's I want Oragal to be terrifying. I want him to be like Orcus terrifying. Yeah, we'll make him like um, Matt Mercer, Teldori level stat blocks. Like, oh yeah, like just completely bonkers. Yeah, mm. you you showed me that the stat blocks yeah. in that are no joke. Yeah, you were. You well, I mean, there's be some of the ones like that in Drakenheim too. So there's some yeah, high level true. stat blocks that are just yeah. bonkers. Yeah, but Matt Mercer so, doesn't seem to shy away from near godlike powers being no. wielded with. Well, he's so high magic. Thought. All of his stuff is so high magic. It's yeah, like that's true. No, yeah. I mean, his characters regularly interact with gods and crap. So, oh, hey, um, I have a random encounter. I just thought of it. Well, tell me of it. I don't have the sound effect right here because I have a new sound card in. But okay, so I would random say, encounter. That was almost the same thing. <laughs> it's almost like I made so. The first one. I just thought it would be interesting to bring up and point out. I think it's safe to assume that we're both in support of the SAG W. You know the writer yes, strikes. Absolutely, it's going yeah. on. But what's fascinating is that you and I were talking about we at the beginning of this this pod we talked about AI so much. Yeah, you know and we now had that's debates. We had we were ahead of the curve. It. Yeah, um, and it's fascinating, and I and I'm I'm glad because I know, I know we can look back and we ultimately just were like. Mm, we just kind of moved away. We're like, mm, yeah, taking it. Our first random encounter was about AI art. Yeah. And I just think it, that's right. That's so funny because, you know, if you're looking at some of the stuff coming out that some of the studios had offered these insane ideas. Oh, yeah. And I almost the wonder. The fact that they, $200 to be an extra for a day, but then we have AI rights to your likeness for the rest of your of existence. Bananas. It's so crazy. So that, almost to the point where, you know, we were, I was talking to Rod Wolf and it was almost like, is that really like a smoke? That's so ridiculous. Is that a smokescreen? So that demand is the headline. And, and then there's something more there sinister. Other jerky everything. one is down here, and that's the one you should really focus on. Like, did you watch that Fran Drescher speech? Yeah, it was a great speech. I think. Oh she man, was, she was fired up. Well, what I liked is she was really careful about keeping the wording um, non-creative specific. She definitely talked about it, but she kept the wording broader, and it could be any job. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Whether it's the UPS strikers that are going to come up, or it doesn't make a difference. I right. thought that was what was what was I thought was interesting. Well um, Rahul Kohli um, from iZombie, and then the Bly Manor, Zombie, Midnight yep. Mass, all those. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. he did a something on Twitter threads or something where he said like the in order to gain health insurance, a, a SAG member mm-hmm. has to make like thirty six thousand dollars a year. Acting. Yeah, it, yeah. He goes, I know. He said something like, it's like 89% of SAG members don't qualify for health insurance. Yeah, it's that percentage is that high. And he said, like, listen, this he goes, he's basically admitting that he's lucky. He goes, this is not about movie stars. Our Mm -hmm. union is mostly people who can't afford health insurance. Yeah. And so we are visible, like the stars, the famous people, they're visible, but they Mm -hmm. are striking down to support the people who are struggling in a city to make 10 grand a year as background extras yeah you know well and i like the tweet i saw it said um um so the studio executives have decided to pick a fight with the people whose job it is to convince you or their job is for you to like them and convince you to like them you know because that's what the super the super people whose specialty specialty is communication and recognizability (laughs) right 
because it kind yeah. of blows my mind that a lot of these executives are, you know, you see these different statements that, you know, kind of represent. Because oh, Bob Iger is getting dragged right now. Do you remember a couple oh, months ago when Bob Iger was saving Disney and now Bob yeah, Iger is goodness. the devil? Yeah. Or yeah, maybe a demon. <laughs> or maybe both, which seems to maybe kind of both. Fit. Um, but I just think it's it's bananas that they still go with this argument of, oh, well, you know, we're not making any money. And I'm like, who are you fooling? This isn't, you know, this isn't, the, the communication is everywhere. You don't, you can't control the narrative that much. Like, I don't yeah. understand how you're even trying. Well, I, you know, like, you, and Sean Gunn said something similar. He was like, I'm, I'm sorry, Bob Iger, you know, 20 years ago made 30 times mm-hmm. everyone's salary. Now he makes like 80 times the lowest uh, salary. What did I saw that uh, thing? 192 million a year is his salary. And always yeah. remember, folks, when we're talking about salaries, that's just what they're getting paid. Yeah. You know, like that's the, that's the pain. You don't on think the... Bob Iger is making a millions and millions in stock yeah. options? That's not the bottom line here, you know. And uh, that's the Warner the starting Brothers guy. Line. Yeah, exactly. Who's the, the Warner Brothers guy? What is he, 495? or Zadlov. 495 million a year or something insane like that. Well, no wonder he's axing shows. He's got to pay himself almost half a billion dollars a year. That's It's insane. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a little bonkers. But yes, we do stand yeah. with the striking workers. And, and I just... I will... I don't know. That when people are like, oh, well, Netflix won. They're going to start using AI for writers and actors. That'll be the day I stop. I'm not, I'm not yeah. going to... I don't have any interest in watching AI-generated TV or movies. Yeah. And I struggle now because sometimes you'll see these comments, you know, you'll you'll come across various discourse and sometimes it's like, well, all they're doing is doing reboots and remakes. And it's like that's all they're allowed to do. Mm-hmm. These are creative people. Stop yeah. going to, you know, give them opportunities and they're going to come up with cool stuff, man. Right, because they're hamstrung into only things that are a guaranteed hit, yeah. which is again, so relying you, on nostalgia is a big deal. Yeah, you know me. I don't think that there's. I just think it's too. I think filmmaking is too corporate, and corporate takes it easy. You gotta. Yes, you take risk, but you keep it minimal. You don't reinvent the toaster because you sold a million toasters last year. Why not sell another million? Yeah. So people like Transformers make a Transformers movie. Keep making them. Not that I. You know. Have we heard that the Transformers movie was bad? It was bad. I mean, overall, yeah, I heard it was bad. But remember, I had you that I had that whole theory where this is now a filmmaker who grew up enjoying the Bay movies. And right. So he's making is, his version of making, it. Remember, everyone, we're this. in that era now. Somebody's like, you know, I'm going to make my... I, this is what I told you. Someday the I'm Transformers make, from when I was a kid. You mean the cartoon? No, the ones with Anna. Shia LaBeouf. No, I'm going to make my own Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Just you wait. You know, it's like, like these Jesus. are the things. So interesting. Man. But uh, I wanted to bring that up just because I thought it was... Because we're old. Was, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. I <laughs> Always yelling at the clouds now. Yep. I, I did see a quick real review for City Primeval where it said, in the continuing summer of our old heroes coming back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> speaking hey, of, by the way, yeah. speaking yeah. of, this mm-hmm. is a complete non sequitur. Yeah. This is even like a random encounter. This is a non sequitur. This is completely yeah. off the rails. If you don't want to, if you don't care, I apologize. Finally got my wife to start watching Justified last night. Oh, and? and we got three episodes. She loves it. Oh, well, so she good. she liked it. I'm I'm she'll love it. I'm Season sure one she'll is love it. Likeable. Season one. But is here's likeable. what I did. Yeah. Here's yeah. here's where I might have made a mistake. Okay. I you know it's, it's just an ADHD thing, and yeah. so I immediately started chasing the shtick in the kitchen after we watched a couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. We were like cooking dinner, and I started being like, "Well." I do think that if you're going to continue on that path of making oh. that pasta in that particular way, that we so might you, end up having. So I started Walton railing Gibbonsing. Did you railing or did you Walton Goggins it? I did wish I, I, a horrible, horrible mashup of any of and all of them. Probably more too. like Dewey Crow. <laughs> <laughs> Great. When he goes and takes the uh, shotgun from him. 
<laughs> but I started narrating everything and talking like I was a, in an episode of Justified. And she goes, and she finally admitted, she goes, you're very cute. That's going to be annoying very quickly. I was like, okay, I'll stop. <laughs> so don't do that because it's a great show. I know, but we, we want to watch more of it too. Yeah. And, and then I was like, and let's watch this trailer for Justified Prime Evil. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's I so do. cool. The reviews have been sure. pretty good so far for the most uh, part. Well, so I mean, happy. why would they not be? But, you know. I literally bought gonna, that We're going to have to wait for that gun to draw before we can actually put a put a bead on it. Yeah, I got that. And that's cop. the other thing. I kept trying to pull up those little sayings, but I was making them up off the hip, so they didn't make any sense. <laughs> I'll come over and help you with this. But no, I, I immediately went and I bought that Cobb Vanth. Did you get the text I sent you? I did. Yeah, that's a very I, cool figure. Just like him. And I was just yeah. like, oh my gosh, it's my Raylan figure I'll never get. Well, I mean, gosh, how much mileage has he gotten out of Raylan Givens? He plays oh, Raylan no Givens kidding. in Star Wars. He plays Raylan mm-hmm. Givens. He played Raylan Givens in so, I mean, who's dead? Place. First he was in Deadwood. Yeah, then he literally... That's, <laughs> do, don't even... God plays... Or the good place that was too fantastic. He was literally playing one of my favorite things. Like in yeah. one of my favorite things. I'm like, that's too much. Yeah. And he was just like... Uh, and he yeah. stayed in No, because Deadwood was first. So yeah, Deadwood, Deadwood was first. Yep. And then we're like, oh, this guy's works good in a cowboy hat. Mm-hmm. Let's continue along with this. And he's like a California Justified. surfer dude. That's the funny thing. Like in real yeah, life. He's it's... not a yeah. And then Justified. And then and then he showed us how f- just phenomenally funny he can be oh, in Santa Clarita Diet. Santa Clarita Diet. God dang Netflix. Netflix. Curse you. you absolute monsters. So funny. Oh, Everyone that goes right up on my list with Fireflies well. unjust cancellations. Yeah, so funny. He was hysterical in that. The best that you don't want to give up is Yelp review status. It's yeah. So funny. Or the the you want a five thousand dollars. I do want a five thousand. <laughs> I'm I'm just soaking it. You're killing it. The cast iron pan. Yeah. Great shows. Great. Yep, all Kimola great shows. Thank there. you for sticking with us for our mini television and movies episode yeah, here at the end of Fourth Pillar Play. That's cool. Um but I do think that that is all of our time for yeah. this time. It's late. You're you're turning into a pumpkin. I'm turning I into a pumpkin. Am. And I still have to edit and post this. So, But you said it's easy. So it is, it is very easy. Re- I've got the whole F-bomb. process down to like 15 minutes. You got to remove your F-bomb though. Did you make a note? I do. I have to remember to remove my F-bomb. Um, what F-bomb? I don't know what you about. There's just that weird beep in the beginning of the episode. I, right. Yeah. So, so that, friends, is all of our time for today. Thank you again for listening and supporting the show. For more information or to peruse the latest drafts of our creations, visit our website at www.fourthpillarofplay.com. All spelled out. Where you can also like, follow, or message us on Twitter or Instagram. Thank you again. And hey, thank you, Josh. Thank, thank you, you listeners. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, thank sunshine and cool night breezes. And thank you, everyone at Night Shift. And thank and you to Santa Claus. Good night, moon. Good night, and moon. Good night, stars. Stars. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.